1 Samuel chapter number 8. Look in the first verse. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second, Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and, turned, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel said, And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so, they, so do they also unto thee. I believe the Lord will have us look at this thought, rejecting God's leadership. Rejecting God's leadership. Let's pray. Or let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for this opportunity. God, to come forward to the throne of grace. We thank you for this opportunity, God, to preach your word. God, Father, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it at all. God, I can't preach. And God, Father, I can't touch your people. I can't speak to your people, God, but you can. God, Father, I pray that you come down from heaven, God, and visit with us. God, we need to hear from heaven. God, we need help tonight. God, there's people, Lord, here in the house that need your help and that need to hear from heaven. And God, I pray that you'll help us, God. And I pray that you'll clear us, God, of ourselves, God, and fill us full of your spirit. Lord, would you make preaching easy, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will, be seated. As I said, I believe the Lord will have us look at rejecting God's leadership. I'm not going to lie this evening. This has been one of the hardest messages I've had putting together. You might say, it's supposed to be easy. No, it's not. I promise you, I'm right where I need to be. I've had opposition like I've never had trying to put this message here together. And I believe, uh, you can ask my wife, I've been in tears almost. I've been burdened about this message and I felt like I wasn't supposed to preach this and I tried every way to get out of this. But God said, no, this is what you need to preach. You need to preach on rejecting God's leadership. The truth is, I don't know what's about to take place here at Bethel. I don't know what's about to take place in your life or in this community, but I know that God's wanting to do something. He's wanting to do a mighty thing. He's wanting to do a mighty work here, but it's going to take some things, and we have a decision to make. We can trust God's leadership, or we can reject it. We can trust Him. We're going to have to trust Him, and also we're going to have to trust the leaders that He has appointed before us. I think about in our reading here this evening that Samuel here is in a leadership position. He's a judge over the nation of Israel. He's appointed by God. The people needed to trust Him. And that's what we need to do. We need to trust those that are appointed by God. Firstly, I see this evening what they wanted. What they wanted. Look at verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba, and his uh, sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgments. Up until this point in history, the nation of Israel, the leaders that were over the nation of Israel was always judges. The judges were the leaders in the nation of Israel. These judges were used and appointed by God 
to lead the nation out of their sinful ways and out of their idolatry back to the Lord and to follow after the Lord. Here we find that Samuel is that leader and that judge that is on the uh, that is in that leadership position right now. And we see in First uh, Samuel chapter number seven, verse number three, it says, "Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and ask the wrath from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only." And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Asheroth and serve the Lord only. So here we see that Samuel, appointed by God, was able to lead the nation out of their sin and out of their idolatry to serving God only. But here we see in our reading in verse number 1 of chapter number 8 that Samuel, he's began to get old. And in his old age, he decided, you know what, I'm getting old. Uh, somebody's going to have to take my place. And so he decided to make his sons the judges over Israel and now see though Samuel was a godly leader and was after God's own heart though we see that he messed up right here because as I said the judges were supposed to be appointed by God but here we see that Samuel said you know what my children are going to be the judges over the nation of Israel now. And I don't think that Samuel did this out of spite or out of ill will or anything. I think that Samuel thought, you know what? These are my sons. They've seen how I've lived. I think I can raise them up to be good, godly leaders in the nation of Israel. But we see in, chapter, in verse number 3, it says that his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted, and, uh, perverted judgment. So we see that even though he was trying to raise them up in the right way, we see that they took advantage of the position that they were given. And they began to take bribes and began to take advantage of their people. So we see in the end in verse number 4, it says, All the elders of Israel gathered themselves together. So here I think about that. If we were to think about that here in the church, that would be like our deacons. So what the nation, the elders of Israel and the nation of uh, Israel here, they came together and they said, you know what, we're going to have a deacons meeting. They looked around and said, Samuel's of, of an old age, he can't be a leader no more. We're looking at his sons, his sons, they're walking after their own ways, they're not walking after Samuel's ways. Uh, we got to do something, what are we going to do? And so I think one of them said, you know what, I've got it all figured out. I've been looking around at all the other nations around about and what they're doing, and I think that they've got it all figured out. So let's do what they're doing. Let's do what all the other nations are doing. So they've seen, and the, all the other nations had a kings. So they said, that's what we need. We need a king in the nation of Israel. And so they went up to Samuel, and they said, Samuel, look, man, in verse number 5, it says, And said unto Samuel, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all other nations. So they said, look, Samuel, you're old. We can't have you up here as a leader anymore. Your sons are walking after their own ways. We want a king. We want a king. And I thought about that. We don't want a judge. We want a king. And I began to study on that and began to think, well, why in the world do they not just rely on Samuel? You know, here, as I was reading, Samuel is actually just 60 years old. He's not that old. I think about some leaders that I know in churches and some pastors that I know. They're 60 years old. They're still leading God's people. They're still appointed by God. Why weren't they just happy with Samuel and God leading the nation? But they said, you know what? That's not what we want. And I began to study and began to think, Lord, they just wanted a king, right? That's all they wanted. And God said, no, what they wanted was change. 
They wanted something different. They were tired of the old way. They were tired of having judges. At this point, they've had judges for hundreds and hundreds of years. They said, we're tired of the old way. We want to be like everybody else. We want to be like all the other nations. Let's have us a king. And I began to think about that, and I began to realize and see that's what's going on in our churches here today and in our community. They want a new church. They want something else. They're tired of the old-fashioned way. They're tired of the old music and stuff. They want something new. And that's what they want. So I began to realize and began to study. People are wanting change. They want something new. They've all seen it before. We've seen all this before. We've seen this. We've heard the same sermons. We're tired of just men being pastors. We want women pastors. That's the truth. Last time I checked in the Bible, it says that a, a preacher was supposed to be a husband of one wife. If you're born a woman, how can you be a husband of one wife? It's not possible. It goes against what the Bible says. You know what they say? They say, we don't want that old-timey music. We want new music. We don't want the old red-back hymnal no more. We want more modern music. Uh, they said, you know what? We don't want the choir to sing anymore. We want some more musicians, and we want some lasers and lights. We want the, uh, the church house to look like like a concert instead. And they said, you know what? Let's just look like the world instead of look like church. That's what they wanted and that's what they were doing. They wanted change. They said, we want a king. And I'm going to be honest with you this scene and I'm scared to death that this is that some people in the church, you're tired of the old ways. You're saying, you know what? I've heard the same old songs over and over and over again. I'm so tired of the same, same messages preached out of the Word. I want a new Bible. I want a new preacher. And you know what? I want a new God while you're at it. I don't want a God who's fearful. I don't, a God who's angry about sin. I want something new. I want a new God. But can I tell you something? I could, God hasn't changed. He's the same... He's the same 6,000 years ago as He is today, as He is 6,000 years ago. Why in the world would we want something new when God hasn't changed? God's exact same. He's gave us everything. He's gave us the Bible that we're supposed to read this evening. We don't need to change it. We need to keep on going on with what He's given us. And He says, last time I checked also, the Bible says in Romans 12 too, Be not conformed to this world. And be not, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. I'm going to be honest this evening, and I thank God that I go to an old-fashioned church that still reads out of the King James Bible. Not no new King James Bible, it's the King James Bible. I'm thankful that I go to a church that sings out of the red back hymnal. I'm thankful that I have a church that has a pastor who reads out of the King James, who is an old-fashioned preacher that preaches the truth, that doesn't try to sugarcoat the truth. He tells me what sin is, and I'm thankful for that. We need to be thankful that we have a leader who is all about the truth. They wanted something new, and they wanted it right then. But you know what they really needed to do? And they wanted to wait on God. They didn't want to wait on God to lead and the man of God to lead. God could have eventually told Samuel he needed to do something about his sons, but they got impatient. They wanted change, and they wanted it right then. They didn't wait on God to tell him to change his sons or anything like that. They didn't want to, they needed a, they didn't need a new thing. They didn't need change. They needed just to continue to follow God's leader and God's lead for that nation. And that's what we need, folks. We don't need change. We just need God. That's all we need. And we just need to let God lead our church and God lead our lives. We don't need nothing new. We just need God. That's it. And so we see that they needed to continue following God and the leader that God has given them. 
But here we see that Samuel gives them a warning. Look at verse number 6. It said, But this thing displeased Samuel. And when they said, Give us a king to judge. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. So he sought after God's face. And you know what God said? Look at verse number 9. He says, Now therefore hearken unto their voice. Howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. So here Samuel he gets down and he prays unto the Lord. And the Lord told Samuel that he was to go. And he, said, he says, give them what they want. Give them what they want. But I want you to warn them first. I want you to tell them about the king that they're about to receive. They want new leadership. They want change. They want something new. They can have it. But you're going to warn them the consequences of that change and of that new king that they want, that new leadership. So we see that with this warning, I see that there are two different types of leaders in this text that we see. Firstly, I see that there's a greedy leader. A greedy leader. Look at verse number 10. This is what God told Samuel to say. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that they asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and shall run before his, and some shall run before his chariots. And then verse number 13, And he will take your daughters to be your confectionaries, and to be your cooks, and to be your, bake, uh, your bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your olive yards, and even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed, and of your vineyards, and give to his officers and his servants. And he will take your men servants, and your maid servants, and your goodliest young men, and your asses, and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep. Uh, of your sheep, and ye shall be his servants, and ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. I want you to look at that and think about that. What's something that's repeated throughout there? Constantly he says, he will take, he will take, he will take. He will take your sons, he will take your daughters, he will take your sheep, he will take your yards. Pretty much he will take everything you have. That's what this leader that they wanted. He's, six times I read the words he will take. This king that they're about to receive, the king that they want, this king is a greedy king. And he's only concerned about himself. He's not concerned about anybody else. He wants to take everything for himself so that he can be lifted up and higher than the rest of the nation. God's saying this, this is the king that you want. If change is what you want, if you're tired of the old way, then here you can have it and there will be a change in leadership. But you you're not exactly knowing what you're getting yourself into. And so he tries to tell them and he tries to warn them. And he tries to say, look, this is what you're about to get. I think about how today the churches and the people that are wanting this change in the church and in the Bibles and it, they want new gods and stuff, they don't realize what they really want. They don't, they don't realize what they're asking for. And, it, and it's a burden to me, and it should be a burden to you because they don't know what they're getting themselves into. I think about, I think about the prosperity gospel. Everybody knows about the prosperity gospel. And one example, thinking about Joel Osteen who preaches it. He goes out and he tells everybody, you know what? If you live for God, everything's going to be all right. You ain't going to face no hardship. You ain't going to face no burdens or anything like that. And also, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have all the money in the world so that you can pay off all your bills. And that's true. The Lord wants you to pay your bills and stuff. But also... but. If I remember in the Bible, it says it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. That's what it says. So I'm just saying here. So, and he also says, you know what? You will prosper if you give money. If you give thousands and thousands of dollars, you will prosper. And your, 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 uh, your bank account will go up. 
Also, I think about uh, David Miscavige. He is the leader of the Church of Scientology today. I, th- I began to study, honestly, uh, online. I was watching a video about the Church of Scientology, and there was this man who infiltrated this Church of Scientology, and he had some hidden glasses on and stuff. And as he went there, he began to talk to him. They said, okay, here you go. Here's an application to be a part of the Church of Scientology. Also, during the application, you need to pay a set amount of money for this application to go through. So we want your money. Is what, it's what it all boiled down to. And so as he was going through this, uh, he went to do it and try to show people about the church in Scientology. And then, so he's going through this application process and they said, okay, it's great, you're, you're going to move on to the church of Scientology, but you need to buy this book. And he said, uh, I don't, why do I need to buy this book? And they said, well, you need to buy this book, it'll help you grow you know, in the church of Scientology. And it was hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And he said, but this week, you know, this month, I don't have a lot of money. I have bills to pay. I need food. I don't have a lot of food right now. And they said, it'll be fine. If you buy this book, it'll be all right, and it'll all work out. So then he goes on, and he says, well, I found one for $20 on on, uh, Facebook or something. He's like, can I I just buy that one? They said, no, you got to buy this one. It's not the same. And he says, okay. And he goes on, and he starts talking, and a couple weeks later, he comes back, and he says, Look, I got the money, but he said, he lied about this. He said, I stole an Xbox from one of my friends to pay for this book. He said, do you think I should still buy this book? He said, well, your friend, he'll just forgive you for stealing the Xbox and the PlayStation or whatever. Uh, As long as you buy the book, it'll be all right. So here we see that they're trying to take his friends away from him. He's trying to take his money away from him. And then they said, okay, also now you need to go through a purification process. They said, we have a sauna over here. We want you to spend four and a half hours in this sauna to go through this purification process five days a week. They said, okay. And then they said, this will be like $1,200 or $1,600 to do that. And so he's like, okay, I guess I'll do it. I got to do it, right? So he goes through and he begins to research and began to realize that to go through this sauna, it's unhealthy if you stay more than like 40 minutes in this sauna. And they're wanting him to stay four and a half hours. So now they've taken his money. They've taken his time away because they want four and a half hours, five days a week. They've taken his friends away. And then also they've taken his health away. You see, that's what they want. They want everything. These other leaders, these new churches, these new religions and stuff, they don't care about you. They don't care about if you receive salvation. They don't care about you growing. All they want is your money. All they want is your time. Also, I think about there was a cult uh, that I was reading about is wanting to sacrifice their children. All the people in this cult, they want to sacrifice their children because they believe the 144,000 uh, that's it, talked about in Revelations was virgins that need to be sacrificed. So they're trying to give their kids to be sacrificed. You see, there they're taking their sons and taking their daughters, just as it says here. And every one of these verses that we see, uh, they became true uh, throughout the fulfillment of the warning that God gives him. Uh, so here we see it's getting worse and worse each and every day. And these people, these so-called called new leaders, and these people that they're wanting, they're greedy, and they just want stuff for themselves. But also I see that there's a great leader, a godly leader. And I look to that and I see Samuel. We see that Samuel here, when he was faced with opposition in verse number 5, when they come up to him, they put him down and say, Look, you're an old man. Your children don't walk in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. It says that the disdain displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king. What does Samuel do? The Bible doesn't say that Samuel cursed them, that he chewed them out, that he went and talked behind their back or anything like that. What does it say he did? He prayed. 
He got down on his knees and sought God's face. I think about that. That's what a godly leader does. That's what a great leader does. In the face of opposition, he doesn't go out and he began to act out on impulse. He didn't say, well, you're wrong. We're not going to do that. We're not going to have new king or anything like that. He doesn't say, well, you're right. We're going to have a new king. What does he do? He goes to God and he says, God, what do I need to do? I need this situation. What am we going to do? That's what godly leaders do. That's what good leaders do. They go to God and then they don't lash out in face of opposition also look in 1 Samuel chapter number 7 and verse number 3 the Bible says Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel saying if ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts then put away the strange gods and ask the wrath from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only also good, good leaders and godly leaders they're concerned about their people right here Samuel's concerned about his people because good leaders and godly leaders they know their people and they know their people's potential. And they know what, how they can live up, what they can live up to. Samuel knew that the nation of Israel has seen what God has done and how God has turned them away from sin before. And so Samuel goes out and says, look, y'all are doing wrong. Y'all need to turn to God and live for God and start serving Him. And so that's what they do. He leads the nation away from their sin and idolatry. And that's the same thing that uh, good godly leaders do. And also we see in verse number 5, it says that Samuel said, Gather all of Israel together, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. Godly leaders and great leaders, they also pray for their people. They, they have a burden for their people. They go out and they pray. And then also in verse number uh, verse number 8 here it says, And the children of Israel said unto Samuel, Seize not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. So here we see that they're faced with opposition. They've turned back to the Lord, but still they're still going through hardship. They're still going through a trial. And they said, they come up to Samuel and said, Samuel, don't cry or don't seize. Go ahead, pray right now. We need help. We need help. We need to go. Uh, the Philistines, our enemy is against us and we're about to die. Go and pray unto the Lord. So in verse number 9 it says that Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord and Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel and the Lord heard him don't you see the burden he began to cry over this nation and over his people he had a burden for his people so he began to cry out unto the Lord and so the Bible says that the nation of Israel was delivered from the Philistines and then in verse number 12 it says that Samuel took a stone and set it between Mesbah and Sheen and called the name of it Ebenezer saying hitherto hath the Lord help us and so after all this after God worked a miracle and God delivered them from from the Philistines, notice what Samuel did. Samuel didn't say, look at what I did. Look at how I prayed and I did this and I did that. He put up a stone and said, look at what God did. The Lord helped us. He doesn't want no praise for himself. That's what a good godly leader does. He wants praise to be uplifted to God. And then look in verse number 15. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel. Now I began to think about that and began to ponder on that. And we're thinking about that thing about the leadership and how rejecting godly leadership. I think about how here at Bethel, God has given us a godly leader in the church. A great leader in the church. And I began to go through those things. I began to think about my pastor and how our pastor knows our hearts and knows our potential and how he knows that we can live for God and that we can do better. And I think about how Pastor Darren, he gets burdened for us. I've seen him cry and weep and have tears about each and every one of us. And I've seen God do miracles and do wonderful things throughout this church. And never have I seen Pastor Darren stand up and say, look at what I've done. 
look at what, look at how I've done all this and I've, circu- uh, I've, I've made all this happen. Instead, he always gives God the praise. And I began to think about that, about how he went year to year in Bethel. And that's what the Lord burdened my heart about is Bethel. That's where we're at right now. That's the leader. You know, Samuel was the leader here. And so our leader, we need to back, get back and get behind him. God was trying to warn them and trying to give them an opportunity to keep the leadership that they had, they already had, and keep things the same as they were instead of receiving a greedy king. But look in, in uh, verse number 19 of chapter number 8. This will be my final point here. Verse number 19, it says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Here they've received a stark warning straight from the man of God. The man of God that was appointed by God. God gave him a word. He poured out his heart and he tried to warn the people and said, Look, this is what you're about to receive. You're about to receive a king who's going to take and take and take and take. He's going to take everything from you. Is this really what you want? I can't help but think about how that must have felt for Samuel. Here he's prayed to God and said, he's said uh, and God said, warn them. Samuel probably got up there and thought after it. After he prayed, he thought, you know what? If I show them and God shows them the consequences of what it's about to take place, surely, surely they won't reject God and they won't reject the leadership that God's trying to give them. And they'll change their mind and they'll say, let's keep going with God being our leader and Samuel being the leader. But the Bible says that they rejected it. And how his heart must have been broken and must have been sad. And here's my thought here this evening. And this is really what the Lord wants us to really look at. I think about how Samuel's heart was just in pieces. Back to verse number 6. We see that the first time that they come up to him and said, this is what we want. We want a king. We don't want judge anymore. Samuel, we don't want you anymore. We don't want your children. We don't want God being our leader anymore is what it all boils down to. Is we don't want God being our leader anymore. And he felt displeased. That's what verse number 6 says. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. Look at verse number 7. The Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected me, or rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. So here's my thought is that Samuel's upset. He's saying, They're rejecting me. I hear I have. I've poured out my heart to these people. I'm burdened for these people. I love these people. I know what they're capable of. And they're rejecting me. And what does God say? God says, Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They rejected me. And that's the thing, folks, is when we reject God's man and when God's leading and when God's in a leadership position and God's appointed somebody to be over you, when you reject that man, you're rejecting God. You want to know why your pastors and your preachers are up here and they're burdened and they're crying as they're giving an altar call? It's not because you're rejecting the preacher. It's because you're rejecting God. And when you reject God, you're picking the other team. You're picking this new king that he's talking about. This new king, it doesn't represent an earthly king. It represents Satan. What does Satan do? Satan takes. That's what he wants. He wants to take everything he can from you. He doesn't, want you, he doesn't want you to get saved or anything. He wants to take 
and take and take and take and take some more. That's all Satan's worried about. And so when you go against the Lord and how the Lord is leading, and you go against God's leadership, you're going, against, you're going against God. As I said, I don't know what's about to take place here at Bethel. I don't know what's about to take place in this community. I don't know what's about to take place maybe at Pleasant Hill or Pleasant Valley. I don't know. But I know that God's on the brink of something. And it's going to take us trusting God's man who's he appointed and trust him and trust his leadership. I think about Pastor Darren when he was preaching here and he got the burden God told him to add on to this church. I think about, I don't know if there was opposition or not. I know that obviously we have the new church and stuff. But if y'all wouldn't have went with the man of God, I don't know that I would have got saved just to be honest with you, because I got saved in this church. And I got saved right here. I don't know if I surrendered my call to preach. I don't know if I would have got married or anything like that. I don't know. But I know that y'all went with God's man. And look at what's happened. I wonder if you're in the same boat. I wonder if since God added on to this church and you followed after the Lord, how many people got saved? There's countless people that you've helped by going after God and following God's lead and following God's leadership. Also, I think about how Ethan, brother Ethan Green was talking about Mount Victory. If you hadn't listened to that podcast, please go listen to that podcast. He was talking about how God laid it on his heart to have a youth camp and he went and looked at this property and God said, no, not this property. And so they found that piece of property and God said, this is it. This is the property that you need to have. And so he went to the church and he said, this is what we're going to do. God said, we need this uh, land right here. And he had opposition in the church. A lot of people, they said, no, that's not what God said. We're not doing it. A lot of people in his church left. A lot of people in leadership positions left. And I think about that. I think about what happened on Mount Victory when they had that first tent meeting. Five weeks. My life's never been the same since I went up to that Mount Victory. And I can say that they missed out on what God was doing. So this evening, I want you to understand that if you're not going to follow after God's people, after God's leadership, you're going with the world. And there's no telling what you are going to miss out on if you don't follow after God. I've already said it. I don't have any idea what's about to take place, but God does. And I don't want you to miss out. So you have a decision to make, church. If you will, please stand. Seth, if you will, please come to the altar or or to the uh, piano. Tonight, you have a decision to make. Are you going to go with God? Are you going to follow after God's leadership? Are you going to follow after Him? Or are you going to go against Him? I think about that tonight. I wonder if you back the man of God and trust God and what He is doing. If you want Him to be the center of your life and to lead your life, would you come up here to this altar? Would you maybe pray for our preacher, pray for our pastor, pray for these people that are in leadership positions? Maybe tonight it's the thing that you have not you have not made Christ your leader in your life. Maybe that's that you're lost. Maybe tonight it's the night that you need to get saved and you need to make King, God, the King of Kings, your Lord and your Savior. I wonder if tonight if anybody lost here, all eyes bowed, nobody looking. If there's anybody lost here, if you will, please slip up your hand. If anybody the Lord's dealing with you, would you slip up your hand? If anybody else needs to come forth to the throne of grace up here to this altar before we pray, now will be the time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. 
And God, I thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts here this evening. God, I thank you for this church. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing here in this church. And I thank you, God, for being the center of my life and, God, the leader in my life. God, I think about how oftentimes, God, I fail you. And, God, oftentimes I mess up, and, God, and I can sin. But, God, I'm thankful that I can go to you, God, and that you'll forgive me, God. And I pray, Lord, God, that you help us, God, just to have trust, Lord, in our life, God. Help us, God, just to trust you, God, in what you're doing. God, Father, we don't know exactly what's about to take place, but, God, Father, you spoke to our hearts, and, God, you've given this, this message, Lord. God, we don't want to miss out, God, on what you're doing. God, Father, we just need to trust you, God, and have faith. God, Father, you've been preparing us, God. You've been giving us message, God, about how we just need to have faith, God. And I think about that today. God, it takes just a, a grain of a mustard seed of faith, God, to move mountains. So, God, Father, help us to come together, Lord, as a church and, God, as a people, God. Father, just to put faith in you. And God, Father, I pray that you move, God, in the ministry of this church, God, in this community. And God, Father, I pray that you be with all these tent meetings that are taking place. God, Father, I pray that you move, and God, in a mighty way, in a way that only you can. And God, Father, I thank you, God, for what you're doing. God, I thank God just for who you are. Lord God, you're a big, God, you're a mighty God. Father, you're the same today as you were a thousand years ago. And God, Father, I'm grateful that you're unchanging. And God, that Father, you'll always be the same. God, we don't need a new thing. God, we just need you. God, that's what it comes down to and what it all boils down to, Lord, is that we need you, God, in our lives. And God, we need you to be the center of our lives. And God, we need you to be the leader in our life. God, help us to trust. God, you, and thank you, God, for the man of God that you've sent our way. God, that's a godly man that has a burden for us. God, help us to pray for him, God, each and every day. And help us, God, just to carry the burdens that he carries. And God, Father, help us to do more, God, for this church. And God, more for you. God, would you be, help us, God, just to be a light. God, and a, a testimony, God, those that are lost, God, around us. Lord, help us, God, to live for you. Lord, we love you, God, and we praise you, God, for all that you do. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.